case. Hope Not Hates are basically controlling Britain. Hope Not Hate, an alluring name for those more concerned about social justice than truth. These backwards, these backward thinking, virtue, sick, virtue signaling, fake news crate. Yeah. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hope Not Hate podcast. Um, I'm joined today with a very special guest who I don't think has been on the podcast yet. Um, it's one of our researchers, Patrick Hermanson. Hello, Patrick. Hi. Nice um, this first time for you, right? Yes, yes. Never been on it before. So you, many of you will be familiar with Patrick. Um, you probably read a lot of his articles on our website. And um, he wrote some really, really interesting stuff in the run-up to the European elections, which is what we're here to talk about today. Um, the dust has settled a little bit. We've, it's probably been a week or so since the elections. Everyone's had a bit of a sleep and, and caught up with uh, their day-to-day lives after what was an intense month or so. And um, I guess we're here to talk very briefly, I guess, about how we felt they went, what we think happened, um, were they good news, were they bad news in terms of the far right across the continent, and more importantly, I guess, what what's going to happen now, going forward, um, what does it mean for Europe, what will these elections mean in terms of groups in Europe, uh, and all the sort of things we're interested in. So I guess, I guess starting off really, Patrick, what did you think about the elections? I know you actually spent a bit of time in and around the continental Europe in the run-up to the elections, uh, um, following around some far-right parties, etc. So what did you make of the elections? How do you think they went? Well, of course, it's not the apocalyptic scenario that was often drawn up in in lots of press beforehand, Uh, and maybe not even ourselves, but um, it's not good news. Um, They did, most far-right parties did quite well. They definitely did better than last election, except for for some cases. Um, but overall numbers, yeah, they they made advances, just like they did in the last election. So um, and the election time, before that, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So over time, um, we have a very different European Parliament now than we did um, two or three parliaments ago. Yeah, and that's worrying. I mean, I agree. I mean, I was not shocked, but disappointed to see a whole raft of articles in the days that followed, which essentially said it wasn't that bad. Um, and I think part of that was because people were judging these results against relatively alarmist pre-election rhetoric about how the far right was about to conquer all and, and take over Europe. But the reality of the matter is, if, I mean, I spent a bit of time looking through the, the results in detail over the last week, and the results are not good news. You know, I mean, there's the obvious ones. You know, we have France, Italy, Poland, Hungary, where far right parties actually won. And, and people can say what they want about France the Front National or Rassemblement National doing slightly worse than they did in the in the previous European elections, but they still romped home. They still came first, which would have been inconceivable just 15 years ago. Um, same with Salvini in Italy. I mean, he made huge gains. Hungary, uh, Poland, which have long been a problem in terms of far right, they again did really, really well. But it wasn't just there. You know, I mean, we saw it. The people were actually kind of relieved about how the uh, alternative for Deutschland did in Germany. Again, you look at the results... Um, they didn't do quite as brilliantly as they some people thought they might, but but also it's worth remembering that AFD have become much more extreme in the last two years. The party that was elected this time around is a much more extreme beast than the one the previous election. So I mean I think there's a lot of bad sides. The Sweden Democrats, uh, they did they did better. They 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 headed up. Um, you know, and we saw it across. I mean, some of the Baltic states, Latvia again, we saw problems there. We saw rises there. So um, even in the Czech Republic, we saw it. So. Across the continent, there were some good news. I mean, I don't know if you you want to talk a little bit about where the far right parties didn't do quite as well. Um, I know that in there's lots of been talk about, for example, in, in the Netherlands. Um, so I don't know if you were tracking that a bit closer than I was. 
Um, yeah, but worth adding to to the ones doing really well is is kind of your small observation there that some of the ones doing really well has also become really extreme or more extreme than they were before. And uh, except for after in Germany, we have um, uh, Lega in mm. in Italy, which um, has kind of transformed the whole party in the last couple of years, uh, while also gaining massive popular support. And then, yeah, in, in Belgium, Flams Belang has uh, kind of entered the mainstream again. I saw um, in the papers that the the leader of Flams Belang went and met the, the royal family, which is the first meeting between the far right and the royals since, I think it was in 1938, um, which is a sign of the kind of normalisation. And actually, I think that's the important point across this. I mean, we didn't mention Spain either with the rise of Vox. Yeah. Uh, um, which which has been worrying, and that was worrying in their obviously regional elections or their national elections before the European elections. But I think the reaction from people saying it's not that bad is actually a really worrying sign because that's what people are saying is this has become normal. This isn't shocking anymore. When the reality of the matter is is that I think even just ten fifteen years ago, and a set of election results like this across the continent would have been terrifying. If you look back to when uh, you know Le Pen came second in the presidential runoff not the last time you know years ago i remember being everyone apoplectic everyone was terrified and and now this time around it's all about well it could have been worse hmm. um, and i think it just shows the direction of travel of the continent in terms of a lot of this that said of course there was lots of good news the greens did well uh, um, in large parts of europe and france and germany especially um, socialists did well in portugal and, and so there was lots of good results across the continent that kind of give people hope but i really don't think they should mask some of the really bad ones, but there was some. There was some areas where the far right rode back. Golden Dawn had a bad election mm. in Greece, um, which has been a, a trend. I mean, they've been in turmoil for quite some time. Golden Dawn, Austria, of course, but then that was a bit of a special situation. But even in Austria, right? So I mean, people have been saying, uh, you know, I mean, um, the Freedom Party there finished in third place, I think with about seventeen percent of the vote, um, which is slightly down to just short of twenty percent they got in two thousand and fourteen, but. When you consider they've just had the whole kind of, they've had this huge corruption scandal, they've had all this kind of, uh, exactly. the government collapsing, etc. Just dropping down 2.5% in the election is is nothing when, mm. when they could have. They still held three seats, which is what they held last time. So um, the really good news, I guess, was Belgium. Um, sorry, no, uh, yeah, so, so not Belgium, sorry, uh, the Netherlands. Yeah, so what happened there was, of course, that Gerrit Wilders, um, who is definitely most international, internationally known um, radical right po- mm. politician in, in the country, is completely out of the parliament, which is, of course, a positive thing, especially since he was one of the people headlining um, Salvini's new alliance. Mm. He's one of the main people, except for uh, Le Pen, of course. But he's not, not even in the parliament anymore, which I mean, is positive. They had a shocking... I mean, they dropped from... I think was it about thirteen percent at the last elections, right down to uh, like three point five percent this time. They got mm. zero seats at yeah. all. Um, but I mean, it's not all good news, is it? I mean, there's the democracy forum, which I know you've kind of written about a bit as well. Yeah, of course. He's um, those voters have have gone somewhere, and and um, he's replaced by by somebody else who uh, Thierry Baudet, so who can has a different rhetoric, has a different style. Um, but is still anti-Muslim uh, in much of his policy-wise. Um, he's one of the most anti-EU um, politicians actually running. Um, he He's actually talked about leaving uh, very recently, which most of them have stopped doing. Mm. Uh, but he kind of went in on, on, on an exit or, or leaving the EU 
uh, campaign um, and did actually very close up to the election backtrack a bit from that. Um, and it doesn't seem to have been that that actually made people vote for him. Mm. Um, well, actually, I mean, you've been talking about this a, a bit recently in terms of it's interesting that obviously we had the Brexit party, which is obviously a separate conversation, but the, the, how, how leaving the European Union has obviously been a huge mobilising force for the right and the radical right in the UK. But a lot of these parties that we monitor across the continent that fit in that kind of far right or radical right populist setting um, seem to be changing their policies a little bit on Europe itself. I mean, I don't know what your thoughts mm. on that are or... I mean, around Brexit, around that time, 2016, 17, up until mid-18, many of these parties, um, Marine Le Pen's Front National, Rassemblement National, uh, even Liga, AfD, um, Sweden Democrats, um, all in more or less, they talk about referendums or they talk about direct exits. Um, and the same kind of went for the left as well, some of the populist left, um, Mélenchon in, in France, for example. Uh, also talked about directly leaving it, um, following Brexit, uh, kind of lauded Brexit for being the most democratic thing that's happened in in decades. Um, but, of course, there are two things that changed, I guess. First, Brexit didn't really turn out to what they wanted it to be. Um, to be it, it just too difficult to leave, too expensive. It looks bad. And, and one who's going to um, kind of pull through or push through and exit from the EU are going to be hurt politically from it. Mm. Or it's going to be hard to do without getting hurt politically. And then second of all, most EU citizens actually support the EU mm. um, or they support staying uh, staying in it. Uh, they think they will be worse off without it. Most pollings show. Um, doesn't mean that they don't have critiques. There's plenty of critique. There's a, a lot of support for um, pulling back the EU. Uh, and that's kind of the direction that these parties have have gone instead. It's it's a tactical shift mm. to kind of align with uh, with the electorate and also practical possibilities. There's no big momentum in, in leaving the EU. So it's not a big vote winner. It but. isn't, and and I think Thierry Baudet in, in the Netherlands did well, but not because of that. Yeah, he bumped, uh, he bumped and, that trend. And there is um, the alternative for Sweden, who went from a hard Swexit campaign. They got zero point forty six percent, I right. think. Uh, nothing. And that's after a massive campaign. It's a very new party and a very extreme party as well. Well, it's um, interesting you mentioned extreme parties. So, I mean, I think one of the trends that was interesting across this election was the really the, the harder line the far-right parties were and the worst they did. So, obviously, we mentioned Golden Dawn having a good one. I mean, they dropped down to fifth. They only got two seats. They they polled at, like, below 5%, whereas back in 2014, they were up around 10%, and they, and they had three seats. Um Lots but that have was, changed in, in Greece. As well. Yeah, a lot's changed in Greece, of course. But but also, you know, if you look at the... There was a kind of coalition of really extreme nationalist groups and extreme far-right groups in Poland. Again, mm. while um, the kind of the main far-right party did really, really well, the, the governing party, as it will, Law and Justice, the more extreme coalition did really, really badly. Uh, and I think there's this thing where we're seeing the more extreme, more explicitly Nazi-linked, um, more fascistic or openly fascistic parties across the continent once again proving that that is an electoral dead end um, and it's much this more moderate cent more cent or I say moderate I mean centre cent- the left of the far right if you will that seems to yeah. be doing better in these elections the big question now though is of course what happens so we've got um, they did really really well but across the 
European elections, the, the kind of centre-left and centre-right shrunk, and we saw a rise of the, the far-right, and we've seen a rise of the kind of the left side of it, we've seen a polarisation. Mm. Um, but there's lots of discussions going on now about what happens. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on it. I mean, you were in Milan, you wrote an article about Milan when mm. Salvini was talking about his new group in the European Union. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you think might happen. Well, it's, it's just like I say, the, the, there's a polarisation or a fragmentation of um, of kind of the European Parliament, uh, but also among national governments in the EU as well, which we shouldn't forget that the EU is not only run by the Parliament. Um, but we have, we have a couple of strong green parties now, um, but we also have a stronger far right, a radical right. Um, so it's a fragmentation. And then within these groups, there are obviously a lot of fragmentation as well. Um, and I think this is really what's going to be the kind of the main damage to it here, because we still, um, the EU doesn't have influence on, 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 on a lot of topics that we do care about. Like migration is important and, and the EU has some things to say there, but that's still a big uh, question. Um, that's still a question that national governments come first on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are, there are issues around the equality legislation and so on um, that, that they do have uh, things to say about um what's going to happen is that the eu um it's going to take uh, it, it's going to be harder to take clear and strong positions and and decisions um the parliament it will be more difficult to get um lost through through the parliament because it's um it's not as um there's not that agreement that that was there uh, a couple of years ago, when we had these two, the big, the center right and and the left, and these two uh, groupings were really big. They are weaker now, and that's that's going to make um, the decision making process in the parliament slower. Um, and worryingly, it's it's when 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 member states break laws, um, like we've seen, or break kind of agreements, like in in Hungary, um, there are Article Seven proceedings now, which is. Um, the Article 7 is, is a process that can be started by the European Parliament um, against member states that breaks um, um, kind of humanitarian raw, law, but also um, the, the rule of law, so like the independence of government, of, of uh, court, And the European courts. Parliament's been relatively poor at and they haven't upholding used, that in the, in they the, haven't used before it, this election. Yeah, they were relatively exactly. poor at holding and those it hasn't, it hasn't been used um, mm. yet, actually. Um but lots of member states have become more extreme. So yeah. is it kind of in this position where it kind of where we do need it? We need it for Roma rights in Italy and uh, Romania. Um, well, let's in Hungary. I mean, I mean uh, and th- that's going to be worrying. And and then this disagreement is going to make those decisions much harder to to see. And I think that people um, and kind of commentators maybe rely a bit too much on this kind of observation that the far right doesn't have much agreement. So, you know, the, the kind of European North, much of the far right um, are kind of more capitalist. They are um, more critical of, of Russia, whereas France, Italy, uh, Savine and, and Le Pen, for example, are both very positive to Russia. We focus very much on these like, mm. internal disagreements in the far right. And this is why uh, law and justice didn't show up at Salvini's conference. Um, or the Sweden Democrats and so on. Um, I think that's a very optimistic analysis 
Because they don't have to agree. Well, they, they don't I mean, have of course to they don't. I mean, I think the other question in terms of though, what might cause division, of course, is, is they're going to have this grouping in the European Parliament. Is it possibly the largest grouping? We have to see. I, I saw the other day that um, some of Salvini's people were sitting down with Nigel Farage in, in Brussels to talk about whether or not the Brexit mm. party would, which yeah. is the biggest party in the whole of the parliament now, whether or not they'll throw their weight behind Salvini's project, uh, which would give them a serious voting block, obviously. Um, and all the things you say in terms of holding up legislation, but also then you start to talk about large amounts of money, and then all of a sudden all these parties are starting mm. to think about who's getting the cash and where's it getting divided up with. Um, but I agree, either way I think it would be... It would be very optimistic to say that this isn't going to cause major problems over the coming years. Um, this group, however it splits itself up, whether or not it all unites behind Salvini, whatever happens in this, we're going to have um, a very large group of parties and, and large group of seats in the European Parliament that are not going to be supportive around, as you say, holding countries like Poland and Hungary to account, will not be really supportive on issues around climate change, for example, or equalities legislation, migration issues. Um, I think they're going to cause a, a huge amount of problems. So, I mean, I guess maybe we should wrap it up there without being too depressing. But I mean, uh, generally speaking, I think we seem to be agreed that I mean, yes, it could have been worse. Yes, we shouldn't be apocalyptic and say uh, it's it's all absolutely dreadful. There has been some really good signs in this election, but over, overall, I think these were these were bad elections. The results were worrying, and the outcomes will be uh, really difficult. So. Yeah. I guess it's now it's time to kind of everyone's had a sleep and it's time to start working for the next elections which uh, which across the continent I mean we could be seeing quite a few coming up soon I mean there's lots of talk in Italy already of, of there being there I'm sure we'll see some in Austria as well all of which the far right are going to be looking at and of course if we have it here people are going to be talking about the Brexit party here so it'll be an interesting few months ahead um, so don't get uh, too excited <laughs> um, but I think we should really wrap it up there um, thanks for joining us Patrick it, it was good to have you on the podcast finally um, thanks everyone for listening um, as we always say please kind of uh, to subscribe if this is the first time you're listening or do send it to other people to subscribe it really helps us out and we appreciate it um, please share it on social media if, if you thought it was interesting um, our social media is at hope not hate on various different platforms the usual places and if you really enjoyed it or you really sort of were interested in the work we were doing around the European election uh, maybe consider joining the Hope Action Fund on the website and you can pay a little bit of money each month and that supports our research work and our intelligence work uh, and it's really really important for us um, thank you very much for listening if you've got ideas for podcasts you want or if you want to hear other things that we're up to um, drop, drop us a message leave a comment on, on the web whatever website you're downloading this from And um, we'd love to hear from you. But thanks very much uh, for listening and we'll see you next time.